What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Lead Singer Syndrome. I'm your host, Shane Told, just like always, as I bring you into the backstage conversations that I have with other lead singers. The last couple weeks, I went a little old school. I wouldn't call it like really old school, but a little old school. Russ from Good Riddance, Daryl of Snapcase. So today... I've decided let's go full variety, just like I love on this show. We have a great episode with Zach of Sleep On It, a newer band based in Chicago. They've got a new record coming out very soon, September 13th, actually. I have heard the record. It is phenomenal. It is a game-changing record. They've already released a single from it. It's awesome, too. And Zach... Not just a hell of a singer, a rad dude. So this is a great episode. And if you haven't heard of Sleep On It, well, that's maybe a great reason to listen to this podcast, to find out about great music, new and old. Before we jump on into that, I just want to say thank you very much again for listening to this podcast. I also want to give a big shout out to a new sponsor we have, Iconic.com. That's E-Y-E. Iconic.com. They are really, really doing great things to support the show. So if you wear glasses, if you wear contacts, if you think you should, like me, make sure you go over to Iconic.com slash LSS, promo code LSS. That's going to save you 10% off. They got the best prices. They got the best glasses. You can use your insurance. It really is awesome. They got this awesome virtual try-on tool. You're going to hear all about it later in the episode. There will be an ad for it. And if you or someone you know is interested in eyewear, you're going to want to hear all about that. If you want to get in touch with me, feel free to email me, leadsingersyndrome at gmail.com. You can add me on social media at Shane Told, at leadsingersyndrome, at leadsingersyn on Twitter. I see everything out there. I respond to most of my emails. Sometimes I have, I've had a bit of a rough couple weeks. Um, I broke my arm. And uh, uh, actually in two places, in my wrist and in my elbow. Uh, So it's been a bit of a crazy last little while having to play on tour in a sling. Um, And yeah, it's not great. It still really hurts. I have a gnarly, gnarly bruise. Maybe I'll post a picture up if you guys are interested in seeing what I'm dealing with. But uh, six more shows left on this run with August Burns Red. They're celebrating 10 years of their album, Constellations. We're supporting it. And this is a big week. Where are we going? We're going to New York City and Philadelphia and Pittsburgh and Norfolk, Virginia and Silver Spring, Maryland. So things are going awesome. Despite the break, I am in good spirits and uh, really excited to get home, continue working on this podcast, do a bunch of cool things with the All Access Club if you don't know what the All Access Club is, you got to check it out. For as little as $6 a month, that gets you in. You get access to bonus content, an amazing community, you know, more stuff with me. And it is what keeps the lights on around here. So yeah, head over to leadsingersyndrome.com slash all access. That's got all the information you need. And welcome all the members, my sinners, both new and old as well. 
All right, well, let's get into it. This band has bangers. Don't sleep on it. Here's Sleep On It, my conversation with Zach. plug in a cable, right? But hey, hey man, there's always room for error every time. <laughs> Here I am with Zach of Sleep On It. Dude, how are you doing, man? I'm good, man. I'm good. I've been home for a couple hours. Just got back from uh, beautiful London, Ontario a couple hours ago. I uh, finished up a, our first co-headline run. And, I saw uh, that. Yeah. Feeling no, good. No, I saw that, that last night. Call the office. Uh, one of my favorites, London, Ontario. Um, Grimy, right? It's a grimy venue. Would you use that word to describe it? I would 100% use that word to describe it, but in like a charming, everyone from that town loves that venue kind of way. Totally. Um, totally. And yeah, no, we had, a, we had a great time. Great show. Um, we all shaved down to mustaches for it, um, <laughs> nice. which was a, a good time. Uh, but yeah, no, great show. Uh, went out with a bang. Great crowd. Um, couldn't really ask for a better end to uh, the first co-headline run. Yeah, no, that's wonderful. I, I grew up just about an hour and a half from London, Ontario, and I I went to shows at Call the Office like when I was in high school, which like that's over over twenty years ago now. That's how old I am. Wow. So yeah, so that place has been like a staple in the London scene, you know, forever. And like London's so, got a great music scene, man. It's it's uh, it really does. Yeah, that was only the the second time we've ever played there we played there back in 2017 with state champs um and then yeah this was our first time back and apparently um apparently they they were waiting so that's I was, awesome was man no and and i from seeing tweets from my good friend hot gay daddy jordan from lake pacific uh apparently this this tour was like banging uh i saw toronto was sold out which is awesome and that must be pretty cool considering the album, the new album hasn't even come out yet. Uh, you know, yeah. just riding on the single and to to have this sh- these shows be so well attended. You know, your first ever, you know, longer set. You guys must be feeling pretty good. Yeah, um, truly. Like we kind of tried to talk it out in the van last night, me and the guys, and like none of us really had anything to say. I mean, the first <laughs> our first attempt to headline and kind of do the longer set and. I think it was 12 shows, six of them were sold out, um, sold out bottom lounge in Chicago, Yeah, nice. which was absolutely insane to us. Um, we, we thought that was going to be a huge stretch, but day of sold it out and we're just all incredibly humbled and grateful right now that to see just all the hard work start paying off for us. And it's just been, it's been a wild ride and the, the last two weeks has been absolutely fantastic to say the absolute least. No, that's that's great, and I mean your voice sounds really good. Um, how did it hold up doing doing? I guess you guys were probably playing like the better part of an hour long set. Um, uh, yeah, close to it. Yeah, we were doing like 50, 50 minutes a night. Yeah. Um, so, so how did that feel for you? I mean, as a singer, um, you know, this, that's what this podcast's about. So you know, I, I wonder um, how, how you know how you're holding up after probably the longest shows you've ever played. 
Um, I'm feeling pretty good. I kind of got a little got a little strained halfway through. Um, I blame that more on the Chicago set than anything. I think I went just a little too uh, right, a little extra. too hard in the hometown. Yeah, but <clears throat> overall, um, overall, I was fine. We we were doing like on our last tour with this wildlife that we did back in uh, April May. We did 45 minutes. We were direct support for that, so that okay. kind of that kind of worked us into this a little bit better. Um, definitely still a little bit harder than I thought it was going to be. Um, but once I, um, we had a couple of days off in a row after I was kind of feeling shot, which was great. And that just, uh, kind of popped me right back in the, in the place and just wrote it out from there. Yeah, no, that's great. I, I find, so I'm, I'm on tour right now as well. We're in Raleigh, North Carolina today. We got about a week left. We're out with um, August go. Burns Red. Yep. And this tour has been long as hell. Like, I think this tour is like seven and a half weeks long. So we're right at the end. And like, my voice has held up pretty well. But what happens with me is I get home and it's like my body knows that I don't have to sing again. And it just like shuts it down. Like, I won't even be oh. able to talk in a week. It's like the weirdest, oh, yeah. it's the weirdest thing. Do you ever experience I mean, that? Because, I mean, your voice sounds actually really good right now. I'm sure you oh, drove yeah. all, I mean, all I, night and didn't really sleep. <laughs> I think the only reason I'm feeling good is because that hasn't set in for me yet. I'm the same way. <laughs> I'll get home, and then, like, the next day, like, I'll be fine the day I get home. It'll be great. Hang out with my girlfriend. Go play with my dogs. Have a great time. And then the next day I'll wake up, I'm congested. My yeah. throat's so scratchy. <laughs> I'm exhausted. <laughs> yeah. It's it's a it's just the the body realizing that it can finally relax, and no, no. it's a it's it's a gratifying feeling in a way, but at the same time, it sucks. So <laughs> yeah, no, I remember you know those old van tours when we would drive like we'd finish a, finish a tour like I don't know who knows where like something like Houston Texas, and then we would drive like straight home like twenty hours, and I would literally go to through the door with my backpack still on and just like crash on my bed and go to sleep for like yep. eight hours, with like my backpack still on. So, um, oh, yeah. yeah, man, it's, it's amazing. That was what, us, uh, what it can, that yeah. was us with the last like three times we, uh, the last like three tours we did before this one started in, started and ended in California. Oh, that's so, the worst. Yeah. 40 hours there, do the whole, the whole gambit, do see the whole country and then another <laughs> 40 hours home. <laughs> yeah. At least you acclimatize. I don't know, man. Uh, there's no, there's nothing good about it uh, at all, man. So um, uh, I want to talk about, you know, your upbringing and, and your early life. I, I love that, you know, y- you guys are a bit of a newer band, you know, just, just about to put out, you know, the, the second full length record you've done. And um, there's not that much information about you out there. So I, I love that we have a chance to do a long form, to talk a lot. And really, the only thing I know about you is that, um, well, you're from Chicago. That's about all I really know. <laughs> so, um, talk to me about you know what it was like for you growing up um, as a kid, you know, in school, and uh, you know what your family structure was like and stuff. Uh, yeah. So I am one of six kids. Wow. Um, yeah, big family, Christian family. Oh yeah, middle, um, older. Bottom. Middle. I have two older sisters, an older brother, and two younger sisters. So okay. I'm the younger of the middle two. Okay. Um, yeah, it was cool. Suburban upbringing, uh, just about an hour south of Chicago. So we were uh, always kind of exposed to the city, but we were in a nice little protective bubble. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, which was good. Um, both parents, you know, 
kind of classic suburban upbringing. Just kind of had a corner lot for the first 10 years of my life. And then after that, we kind of moved around a lot, which was, uh, which was tough. Went to two different high schools. Um, never really made many friends in high school. Not a great, not a great place for me. I was, a uh, I was the theater and drama kid in high school. I didn't really okay. do that, the whole, the whole sports thing. So that didn't right. go over well for me. Uh, <laughs> plus that, not to mention it was, I was in high school, um, 2007 to 2011. So I was wearing girls, jeans, neon colored t-shirts, <laughs> long hair. Not great. Not great time for me. Right. Um, right. So, so but, with, with your big family, you know, and, and I, I have a very small family. I just have one sister. She's older. She's seven years older than me. So, you know, at a pretty young age, she went off to, to college and I was, you know, pretty much just me and my parents, you know, so I, I, I have a completely different experience than you would having five siblings to kind of contend with. Yeah. Um, that must've prepared you at least for what it's like riding in a van. Definitely. With a I'm bunch used, of dudes. <laughs> very used to close quarters. Right. Um, yes. Me and my older brother shared a room until he was 18. Um, so definitely, definitely used to uh, no privacy ever. Yep. Um, and when I was a freshman in high school, so my, my first year of high school, um, we moved to into a two-bedroom house. Oh. So there was, there was eight people in a two-bedroom house, which was crazy. Um I, we grew up poor, so we never really had money, but it was never really an issue for us. You know, we kind of just made do with what we did. Um, but yeah, so I was uh, very acclimated to the van environment before I ever even got in one. So, um, but yeah, uh, music for me started from a young age, which was um, my dad is um, still is a Southern gospel singer in a Southern gospel quartet. Wow, um, that's awesome. Yeah, so that's that's where I kind of so he's got some pipes. Uh, I mean, I hope they're coming someday. <laughs> I, I, I often say I hope to hope to be the singer my dad is. Um, but yeah, we were always a musical family. He, he's um, he's also a trumpet player and a fantastic trumpet player. My uncle, my uncle is also an incredible trumpet player. Um, we've had a we've had a piano in my house the entire time um, I've been alive. Uh, I still don't know how to play it very well, but <laughs> yeah, it's there. It's not easy. Um, like how can and then, how can something that you literally just push buttons be so hard? It's right? so difficult. I you don't understand push, it. You're literally just pushing buttons, right? Yeah, that's all like, piano is. I, I, it, I can do basic chords and like a little, a couple little ditties here and there. But other than that, it's like a foreign language to me. I just, I, I've tried to teach myself and I've yeah. tried to learn, and it just, it never, never set with me. But you play guitar. I play guitar, I can play bass, and I can tell my drummer loosely what to do on the drums, and then <laughs> he gets behind the drums and does what I told him to do the right way. <laughs> oh, okay. All right, all right. All right. So so how did how did you get into that? I guess like, you know, your your I'm sure your parents your family was very supportive of, of music, being musicians themselves. Um actually, what age? No. Oh, actually really? Okay. Yeah. So my like I said, my dad was a Southern gospel singer. He kinda did like church touring i suppose is what i would call it like they just kind of did the whole touring thing and went to different churches and sang at churches and stuff so when i remember when i graduated high school and i told him that i was in bands from the time i was probably like 13 just like with all my friends and nothing really crazy um but when i graduated high school i told him that i wanted to like start a touring band and i kind of like actually skip college and do the whole touring band thing and my dad literally told me please do anything else <laughs> just don't do anything else. Um, which understandably, but, um, 
yeah, it was it was more me. I was kind of I always kind of found my own way in music. My my parents. I mean, obviously, my dad being a gospel singer, he loved like Elvis's gospel stuff, and um, he was always listening to Southern gospel quartets around the house. And then uh, my mom was more into like folk and blues, John Lee Hooker and Joan Baez and all that kind of stuff. So yeah. that's kind of where I got that first start. But I got most of my musical influence from my older sisters. I mean, they were listening to '90s pop and. Madonna, Michael Jackson, NSYNC, all that kind of stuff. So that was kind of my introduction into modern music, I suppose. Um, and then my older brother ended up getting me into like heavy metal, like Slipknot and Korn and Mudvayne oh, okay. cool. and all that kind of stuff. And that was kind of the middle school, early high school days for me. And then um, my best friend uh, from childhood, Josh Ortiz, brought me Yellow Cards Ocean Avenue. And that was kind of my that spark. That was the record. That was the record. That was the spark into the pop punk world for me. And obviously growing up in Chicago, um, I started going to local pop punk shows. And I saw Fall Boy in basements and VFWs and oh, yeah. um, like Trio and all those bands growing up. So that was kind of the, the spark for me. And then I saw the Ocean Avenue music video on MTV. And that was the moment where I was like, I want to do that. <laughs> I want to be Ryan Key. Um, and I was terrible at it. <laughs> <laughs> well, everyone's terrible at first, you know. Um, but that's that's the thing is it's like, you know, you got to work on your craft. And I think the fact, you know, most uh, people that do what we do, most of them start out and they suck and most of them play guitar and that's, that's what they want to be. And then they somehow fall into singing. Um, was yeah, that, was I, actually, that- I started... I started as a bass player. Okay. I wanted to be different. You know, like I, everyone, I was like, everyone plays guitar, man. Everyone, everyone does all that. I want to, I want to play the bass. That's, I want to hold it down in the back. I, n- I never wanted to be the center of attention. That was, that was <laughs> never, ever my, my intention with this. <laughs> well, was it, was it, um, um, I gotta be honest with you. You know, you're from Chicago. You said you saw Fall Boy in basements. I mean, what more legendary pop punk bass player is there than Pete Wentz? Yeah, I mean, Pete Wentz was definitely a part of it. But for me, um, I've always just been such a music nerd. I did, like, band in high school and all that and choir. I always loved, like, picking out bass parts and, like, reading through the tabs. I remember, like, learning, like, My Generation by The Who just because there's that sick bass solo after the second chorus. Right, of course, Um, yeah. And I just wanted to learn all, like, the cool, like, background instrumental stuff that people probably didn't pay as much attention to as I did. Um, so that's kind of where my love for bass happened. And then I realized, um, very quickly that girls don't want to hear you play a bass. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so I was like, maybe I should pick up a guitar. (laughs) Yeah. It's Um, like, it's hard to impress a girl like singing to her while playing a bass line, I'd say. Yeah, like nobody I, wants I just, to hear. I just picture Chick Magnet by uh, MXPX playing while you're uh, while you're <laughs> singing. You know, do 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 do. Yeah, not exactly a Chick Magnet. You want to hear me play? Uh, you want to hear me play "Days to Confuse" by Led Zeppelin while I sing on the bass? Yeah, that was <laughs> that was a real good look for me. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's a that's a really good one. A regular Zach Paul Jones there. There you go. There, there you go. go. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. So you so just to, for clarification, even though you spell your name like Zach, you say Zach. 
Yeah, it's a weird thing, and I don't think that I'm even doing it right. Um, I always <laughs> just said Zach because it's easier. Um, Zach, Zach. My, my yeah. full name is Zechariah. Um, being oh. a, being from a Christian, being from a Christian family, I was named from the Bible. Um, so it probably should be Zach because when I say Zechariah, I say it with like the e noise. But um, yeah, I've, I've, my parents always called me Zach, and that's just kind of what I told everyone that my name was. So interesting. Yeah, yeah. Just wanted to get that that out of the way. And I'm yeah, sure there's, yeah. pe- I'm sure a lot of people will see it and just go, oh yeah, it's Zach, and that's. I'm sure you get it all oh, the time my, on tour. My, my whole life, I was yeah. I was always the bottom of the list uh, for roll call for school. So I would just say it for them before the before the teacher could even botch it on the first day of school. So <laughs> there you go. So um, you, you know, you, you're talking about your you know your kind of high school days and going from bass to guitar and singing, and um, you know you were known for the, your band Bonfires, which yes. uh, which did some stuff. Uh, Release some actually some great some great records some great tunes. Thank you. How did how did you transition from from you know high school to end up being in you know that band that that you know had some uh, some things going on? So bonfires actually spawned from the first like moderately successful band I was ever in. We were a terrible band and we were a band called Hometown Heroes. Uh, we were a band for like six years, literally like same same guys forever. And one day we realized, I was like, oh, we're probably not going anywhere because we have a terrible band name. This awful band name. Um, so well, we sat I don't down. know how terrible it is. It's, it's very generic. Yeah, yeah. That, that was it. There's probably um, a lot of bands called that. Oh, yeah. Um, and we tried to be edgy at first and spell it like without the E. Oh, that's worse. H-E-R-O-S. That's always oh, yeah. worse. Never do that. Bands, oh, yeah. bands. We, we realized very quickly it was a terrible move. Yes, yes. Yeah, the um, only band that got away with that was Linkin Park, uh, but they they did it so they could get LinkinPark.com. That's why they they spelled their name that way. But anyway, they, oh, fun fact of the day. Fun fact of the day. Yes, also Chicago um, related. There you go. Anyways, yeah, continue you with your story, um, please. Yeah, Zach. So, <laughs> so we sat down and we were all trying to think of a name, and we were just kind of like scrolling through our phones, just like looking through like bands that we liked and songs and trying to think of like maybe like lyrics like everyone does and um we stumbled upon the childish gambino song bonfires oh, and we yeah. were like oh that's kind of a cool band name we could be bonfires like that's why not, why not do that and so that's where that band name came from a childish gambino song which is a fun fact that not a lot of people know like that um, i like that and then, yeah, we, we had actually already recorded the first EP. Um, we, talk, we all talk about dying like we've done it before uh, as a Hometown Heroes EP. And when we changed the name, we were just like, oh, well, let's just have this be the first release. Like, we already recorded it. We paid right. for it. There's no point in putting it out as like a, an homage to the past. Like, we're the same band. Um, of course. So, yeah, did that, put out that, put out another EP. Um, nothing to hold, something to keep. And then um, did some touring, some DIY touring. And then we ended up looking at linking up with Synergy Management and um, Jason Parent. He ended up being our booking agent, oh, yeah. which was yeah. really cool. Uh, signed to Bad Timing Records. And then <clears throat> recorded a whole EP. Did some touring. I toured with, uh, we toured with Hawthorne Heights and Sleep Wave, um, which was really cool. 
uh, super intimidating to share right. a stage with, with Spencer, Spencer Chamberlain. Spencer and JT, yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Dude, so we've been doing it so long and so well. Um, learned a lot on that one. Um, but around that time, I was kind of feeling a little weird. I didn't feel kind of accepted in my band. There was kind of some power struggles going on at the time. Um, and we ended up going out with the spill canvas, which was amazing. They were yeah. such good dudes. Um, keep in touch with them still. And that whole tour, I, I realized near the end, I hadn't spent any time with my band unless we were in the van. Like I was always with either the opening band or I was hanging out with the spill canvas guys. Right. And I got home and I had a conversation with uh, my girlfriend at the time and called a close close friend of mine, Johnny Minardi. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Called him and kind of just like laid it all out and told him how I was feeling. And basically he was just like, then maybe it's time to move on. You know, if, if you're not feeling it and you feel like you don't fit in there anymore. I mean, you're in Chicago, one of the greatest music cities in the country. Like, there's plenty of bands. There's plenty of dudes who want to start bands. Like, do your own thing. Um, so yeah, I ended up leaving that band and it, originally me and Johnny had a whole plan to like start this band around me and the songs that I was writing and just kind of like build it from the ground up, sign it to Equal Vision where he was at the time. Yeah. And just kind of like run with like this whole whatever it was going to be, like be it me and the experience or whatever the hell the band was going to be called, you know? Um, and then around the same time I quit Bonfires, um, Sleep On It kicked out their original singer. Right. And I was, I was already friends with those dudes. We knew each other from playing shows and just hanging out at the same venues. So I knew Jake and Luca really well. Uh, didn't really know Ted, but <clears throat> uh, Johnny called me one day and he was like, why not try it out? Like, I like those dudes. I like the songs. Like, could be cool. I know they're looking for somebody. Um, and I hadn't played like the last shows yet. We were, we were, we played snowed in that year, which is really cool. That was like the second to last show. And then we had a show at Chicago house of blues with, um, this guy named Mike golden, big, uh, big kind of like folk rock guy around here. And he's a, just a dear friend and asked us to play his holiday show. So that was like my last show. Okay. Um, with bonfires and I had their, uh, sleep on its manager and Luca came to the show. And from what I've been told, the story goes, they watched the set, <clears throat> they watched their set. And the second we finished our last song, uh, their manager turned to Luca and they, he said, stop auditioning people. We have to get him. So that's a cool thing, you know, yeah. it's cool to feel wanted. For, um, totally. Totally. So then, so, then, um, so what did you um did they just say you're in the band? Did you did you go try out? Um, no, I, I had to go vibe? try out. I mean, it, obviously, it, was it sounds no like, easy way. Well, it's, no, well, that's good. I think, but you know, I guess the the main problem with with bonfires was more of a personal thing. So, did, was that really important to like meet the guys and and say like, okay, like this is kind of you know the kind of person I am. What kind of people are you? you yeah, know? I, I mean. It, 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 it was easier from the beginning because I mean, me and Jake and Luca, like we all hung out a lot. Um, even outside of shows, like I was just close friends with those guys, and um, so I kind of knew their vibe. But I mean, I was I was worried about Ted and um, rightfully our original bass player at the time. We never really got along, um, but uh, we always worked things out, and it, it right. ended up being fine. But yeah, so like I remember, 
I, before I even auditioned, we all got together at the band house and just kind of like talked about what they wanted to do. Cause they were obviously in kind of this flux without a singer. Yeah. Um, and they were auditioning and I was fresh out of a band and originally they kind of wanted to do some more like balance and composure type stuff, kind of like do a little more like ambient kind of heavier rock <clears throat> type stuff. And for me, like I grew up, like once I got into pop punk, I was listening to like acceptance and Mayday parade and fall out boy. Yeah. And it's like all the really just pop forward melodic bands. So I was like, I kind of want to go this route. If this is something you guys are cool with, like, and we all kind of vibe once we start practicing some stuff, like let's run with it. And they all kind of agreed to take my vision as long as it still remained true to what they wanted to do. And, um, first practice, we wrote our first song. Oh and, really? What song? Did yeah, you, we were, what song was it? Burning at both ends. Um, it, yeah, the first practice we ever got together, we just kind of ripped it, and so it you felt, felt great. You felt the and, magic right away. Yeah, yeah. Me, me, and Ted, like it was. It was just very much a collaboration from the beginning, which is something I hadn't felt. Um, but it was also kind of difficult when I was in Bonfires. I was writing all the all the lyrics, all all the the melodies. And then my guitar player, Brad, was writing all the music, and it was just kind of like he'd write the music, hand it off to me, I'd write the lyrics, melody, and it was just done. Um, mm -hmm. But with Sleep On It, TJ is very hands-on, and it's great, and it's been different for me, and it's been awesome because it pushes me in a lot of different directions that I never thought I would go. Um, but at the beginning, I was not used to that. He, he also writes everything at the same time. Like, he'll be playing a riff or kind of just like this verse chord progression or chorus progression, and oh, he'll, he'll be, already be thinking about the melody. And he'll be and he'll just be and singing. the lyrics. Yeah. Yeah, he'll 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 just be singing whatever comes to his head, which was really tough for me at first cuz like I like to like really sit down and overanalyze it, which is terrible. Um but and it's it's tough when you've already heard a melody over chords it to is. think of yeah. something else. Yeah. So it was that was kind of a tough roadblock like for the first EP to kind of get through how I'm supposed to write my version of these songs when I already know his, um, which was tough, but it was, it was, it was a good challenge for me to, to, to push myself as a songwriter. Um, which I don't consider myself much of one. I don't really write much music anymore, um, which is interesting. Um, I'm, I'm much more focused, especially being a singer now that I, that's all I do. Cause I used to play and sing at the same time. Right. Um, so being a singer now, I'm, I'm much more focused on just like, now that I don't have to worry about playing guitar, like what can I do vocally? I, I've always played it very safe. And uh, when I got into sleep on it and I was just singing, it was a whole new thing for me. So it's been, yeah. um, it was interesting to start and I, I've learned to love it. Definitely. I just got sent awesome new wireless earbuds from Raycon. I opened the box, opened up my phone, and literally in less than a minute, I was jamming out to my favorite tunes. What struck me right away was how well these fit and then how amazing they sound. Definitely more bass than my other wireless headphones. But the biggest game changer is the price. The E25 earbuds they sent me start at half the price of other premium wireless earbuds on the market, have six hours of playtime, and really are super comfortable, whether it's music, conference calls, or binging this podcast. And there's no dangling wires or stems to distract other people if you're on a video call. 
The company was co-founded by Ray J and celebrities like Snoop Dogg, Mike Tyson, and Melissa Etheridge are just a few people obsessed with Raycons. Whether you're working from home or working on your fitness, you want what you're listening to to be what you're listening to, not the other distractions from the room. Everyone needs a great pair of wireless earbuds, but before you drop hundreds of dollars on a pair, check out wireless earbuds from Raycon. Now's the time to get the latest and greatest from Raycon. Get 15% off your order at buyraycon.com slash LSS. That's B-U-Y-R-A-Y-C-O-N dot com slash LSS for 15% off Raycon wireless earbuds. Buyraycon.com slash LSS. If you're in tech, you've been there before. Feeling the pain of hiring a freelancer or new employee for designer development only to find out months later that it's not a fit. And those types of mistakes aren't cheap. Instead, Mutual Mobile, a digital technology consultancy, uses the process it's developed over the past 10 years, delivering over 600 client projects to ensure your fast and beautiful mobile or web app is finished on time and within budget. Mutual Mobile has built apps for numerous companies that have been acquired, such as Eero, acquired by Amazon, FlexDrive, acquired by Lyft, and MapMyFitness, acquired by Under Armour. You get a dedicated team to help you with your tech project from start to finish, from ideation to product shipment to maintenance and everywhere in between. Mutual Mobile designs and builds beautiful mobile and web apps that increase the value of your business. If you have design or development needs, schedule a free 30-minute consultation at mutualmobile.link slash LSS to get started. That's M-U-T-U-A-L-M-O-B-I-L-E dot L-I-N-K slash L-S-S to get started with your free consultation today. Uh, so you, you did a song, uh, speaking of songwriting, you, wrote, you co-wrote a song with Will... Pew of Cartel. Yes. How does he write a song? Does he write it, uh, work on the music first and, and add the l- melody and lyrics after? Or he is music, he music first, lyrics after. That's how 100%. he did it too? Okay. Yeah. Which, which was awesome. And that was a whole crazy experience being a massive Cartel fan from yeah. day one. Like the fact that we reached out to him and he was like, yeah, come on down to Nashville. We'll just like hang out for three days and write music. I was like, Excuse me, and like he's got like the gold, yeah, the gold record for honestly <laughs> on the wall, and I was just like, Jesus, that's yeah. so crazy. No, I mean he's a uh, one thing about Cartel too is like you bring up honestly, honestly, and you bring up um, you know the first record that was so big, but they've never made a bad record. Cartel, no. everything they've done, every song they put out has been good, and you know Will being obviously the main guy in that band songwriting and everything it's like that's a guy i think is a great choice to if you're going to write a song with somebody i think that that's that's a guy that's you know knocking it out of the park pretty much everything he does oh yeah and it was it was very apparent from the beginning because like at first we we like brought him some ideas that were like really fleshed out and we just kind of like because we'd never written with it he was the first person we'd ever written with outside yeah. of the band um so we kind of like went into it almost from like a production standpoint which is really cool mm-hmm. um because that's what we were used to. We were used to bringing songs to a studio and having someone be like, yeah, this is really cool, but like, let's change this chord and instead of going up at this melody, let's go down. And like, that's kind of what we thought we would do. Right. And that's what we did, that's what we did for the first day. And like, <laughs> it was so funny. It literally, he ended and he was like, 
yeah so like these songs are all great like this is cool like awesome but like I'm a songwriter like if you guys want to write a song like let's just let's write a song together <laughs> <laughs> like this isn't we're not doing anything right now I'm, I'm telling you that you already have good songs so <laughs> yeah um, like, don't, you don't want to give him give him half the money uh, on the publishing just to tell you the songs are good and don't change them <laughs> yeah that was and that's pretty much what happened the whole first day and that's then, funny so this, the, the second day we came in and there was this riff that I had kind of been like messing around with for a while, but I didn't really know where to go. And it's, um, on the record, it's called, it's always crashing in the same car. Uh-huh. Um, it's, I just literally just had that intro riff and like that little pre-chorus re-intro thing and didn't have a verse, didn't have a chorus, had no idea what to do with it. And just, yeah, sat there for like three hours and just hashed that whole thing out. And he added his, uh, his own little cartel leads to it, which was, uh, geeking out for all of us we were all very much just like that's such a cartel lead he's doing it he's doing the thing (laughs) um but yeah will will's will's the man we hang out with him every time we're in nashville and uh sadly it's not uh not as much as i'd like i love that city so i was in nashville last night we played last night and uh lucky man didn't see will there he didn't make it out which uh Ah. yeah yeah but but it is crazy like i used to not have any friends in nashville now I have like so many because everyone's literally everyone's moved there. So everyone's moving to Nashville. It's the place to be. It's the place to be. <clears throat> it's the place to be. So another guy you worked with um, while we're on the topic, Derek Descanio of State Champs, who yes. actually produced your debut uh, album. He produced the EP as well. Oh, yeah, um, the EP. Um, that's a guy known for definitely known for being a tremendous singer. I mean, what a voice he's got. Um, did he help you out with um, your vocals, with, you know, kind of growing as a, as a singer, at least technically? Um, more so on the, the full length than the EP. The EP, yeah. he, was, he was there at the beginning, and it was very much like, we kind of talked through everything, and it was more of a production thing where he was just like, I really like this song, don't like the chorus, so it's like, let's write something else. And it was like, cool, yeah, 100%. Like, you're Derek. Like your melodies are insane. Let's do this. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, we talked a lot about that for the EP, and then for the full length, <clears throat> he actually flew out a week early and did the whole pre-pro session with us, and which was awesome. And every night after we were done, kind of like rehashing all the music and figuring it out, me and him would just sit in the control booth and just kind of go over all the melodies and really tweak certain even if it was just one note like it was always such a such an impactful thing like that i would never have thought of and um so he's so i guess he's very hyper focused on all the details and that's that's very detail oriented like like i always um you know whenever there's you know you know younger bands that that send me stuff or demos or ask like how to improve or like want advice on how to how to record stuff i'm always like Okay, so you know these things you're going to do called vocals. Everything's going. Everyone's going to listen to those, and they need to be literally perfect. And every note needs to be not only sung perfectly and in key, but it also needs to be thought out. You should know what notes you're singing. You should know what chord you're singing over. Like all this stuff needs to be mapped out. And a lot of I'm going to say just say amateur bands, and I'm not trying to be like rude about it. But a lot of amateur bands, that's the difference, you know, why a band becomes 
you know, a sleep on it or a state champs and, and doesn't just remain a hometown heroes forever. <laughs> yeah. Not to throw um, your old band under the bus. You guys were great. I'm just making fun of them. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, many do, many do. Um, yeah, no, for sure. I mean, it's for me, it was, it was learning how to take the criticism and, and grow. That was, that was something right. that took me a long time. Uh, obviously being young and arrogant and thinking that I was the shit. Um, <laughs> I was just like, these are the melodies and they're great. Like having someone like Derek and like Will who could be like, these are cool, but like, let's try this different thing that you probably never thought of doing and you can do it. Like that was always the biggest thing. It was more so like I would listen to State Champs records and I would listen to Cartel records and I could sing along, but I was like, I can't write this. Like there's, there's nothing right. that I could do that would sound like this. Right. And having both of them be like, like we're writing melodies and he would sing something. I'd be like, I don't know. And, he'd be, and he, they would literally just be like, try it. Like you can sing this. Like this is something like you, you have the potential to do this. And it was, it was more so learning to take criticism as constructive and not like, Oh, I suck was something that those guys both really instilled in me and kind of made me realize that I am, a, I, I, I can sing. Like I never considered myself a singer and partially still don't. Um, I was just, I was just always kind of the guy who was the best singer of the group of people, you know, and I kind of got yep. stuck with it. Yep. That's, that's literally um, what every, every singer on this podcast says. That's, <laughs> it's so funny. Um, so, so, well, there's been a big jump with, you know, your new song. Uh, I won't say new record yet because it's not out, but I have heard the whole thing and you have. What did, I have, they what sent did you it think? to me. I think the record's awesome, man. Thank you. Um, uh, you're, the, you're the first person that I don't know personally that's heard it. That I'm, and I, so I had to know. Well, what what jumped out at me right away when I put on track one was first of all the production is a huge uh, improvement over your last record, and yeah. I think <clears> that <throat> the single that you chose, you know, the first single under the moment, it's got great production. Don't get me wrong, but it's like a different sort of a, a vibe, like you know, because rhythmically it's like a it's a it's a different song. It isn't so straight, you know, straight up like, you know, um, uh, you know, your typical pop punk kind of uh, rhythms and you know what I mean. Uh, oh, but, absolutely. But when, but when that <clears throat> record drops, man, right away, I'm like, oh, my God. So I looked up right away who produced it because I was like, this sounds like insane. Yeah. And then I, I found mean, out it was Mike <clears throat> Green, who's uh, uh, obviously wasn't all Mike Green. Oh, it wasn't all Mike Green. OK. No, Mike Green did Under the Moment and two other and two other songs. One one that's on the record, one that didn't didn't end up making the cut. <clears throat> and then it was um the other eight were Kyle Black. Oh, okay. He did the the last two State Champs records and yeah. um he's just an absolutely incredible producer. Um so we ended up writing three the three songs that we did with Mike we wrote with him, which is Under the Moment. Um, the cycle of always leaving, which is also which is towards the end of the record, and then another song that's not on the record, and then we wrote one song with Kyle, and the rest were songs we all just kind of brought. Yeah. Um, and yeah, we we we'd always worked with Seth Henderson at ABG. He's one of my closest friends. I've known him for upwards of ten years. Um, and for this one, you know, we we wanted to get outside of the Midwest. We. Um, we always end up recording in the winter, so it's always just bitter cold, and yeah. you, you can kind of hear that on the record. Everything's got like a, <laughs> a minor undertone and that this sad feeling. And um, 
we love that about us. We love, we love that we've always been true to, um, our Midwest roots as a band. And, but for, for the, for this record, we, we wanted to try and just see what someone else could do. And it was very scary, very nerve wracking. Um, but when we really boiled it down, we kind of realized if we want to do something with this and we want to stand out, we have to get outside of our comfort zone and we have to push ourselves yeah. creatively and physically, honestly, because we, we spent a month in California mm-hmm. in January, which was amazing. <laughs> I um, know, right? I know. The, and while we were in Jan- while we were in California in January, it got like negative fifty five in Chicago. Of it course, was just right. absolutely shit cold here. Um, and we're all at the beach, you know, just hanging out. It was great. <laughs> but yeah, it was um it was definitely a tough record though. Um, we went into it not knowing what we really wanted to do. Um, TJ had demoed probably upwards of thirty ideas, like not all full fledged songs, but like probably like 20 full-fledged like skeletons of songs yep. and then like another 10 minute to minute and a half long ideas to work on. So the first week we were there of the five weeks was literally just picking what songs we were going to record. Um, well, that's a very out important of, part. <laughs> yeah. So we, we literally just didn't know what our record was going to sound like. And it was incredibly stressful because I was so overwhelmed with the amount of demos and the amount of material I hadn't really written anything yet. Um, I had, there was probably four or five songs that we had like the majority of it done, but then the other four were just like literally just music. And I hadn't, didn't really know what I wanted to do melodically. I had no idea what I wanted to do lyrically. Um, So it was, it was a really, really stressful record for me because I've never done that before. I've always 100% gone in like drums first, guitar, bass, my vocals are ready, let's yeah. do the vocals, like, done, right. <clears throat> and with this record, we did drums last. Oh, yeah, that's, that's absolutely the, that's insane. The, that's the new thing everybody's doing. We, <clears throat> um, we just did a new single, and we recorded the drums last for the first time, too. And it makes a lot of sense to do the drums last. It does now. <laughs> when, <laughs> when we were doing it, I was just like, this is crazy. Like, obviously there's, there's the MIDI drums, there's the program drums and like Kyle and Mike both are so good at it. Like literally they can do an entire structure of a song in 10 minutes and just, it sounds great. Like we could have put those songs out with the MIDI drums and I don't think anyone would know. Yeah, I know. That's, that's um, the crazy part. I know. But yeah, it worked really well for the drummer, for our drummer, Luca. Um, just cause he, we had never practiced any of these songs. Like that was the other crazy thing. We didn't, we didn't really like write these songs to the band. Um, it was all done with the, just demos, like emailing yeah. demos back and forth. Yep. Just Dropbox, uh, shared Dropbox folder. Yep. And that's just, exactly how we do it too. And yeah, it's so crazy. It, was, it was really crazy um, going into the studio. Cause um, it, it was, it was just hard. Cause TJ was the only one who knew how to play anything. So he, he, <laughs> he ended up recording like the whole record. I, I tracked bass on one song that we ended up writing in the studio at the last minute with a, with a buddy of ours, Pete Adams. Um, and I just wrote, I wrote the bass for that song. So I tracked it. But like, other than that, TJ recorded all, all the bass and all the guitars, except for like a couple leads that Jake ended up doing. Um, but yeah, it was a, it was a lot of late nights for me. <laughs> um, right. Staying up and just sitting with the demos and then, 
getting the bounces from the day and realizing the song had changed because TJ and Kyle had like changed up the structure a little bit or changed the chord patterns and realizing that now this idea I had, I have oh, to change man. the melody. And, yeah. That's, that's tough. It was, <clears throat> it was really, really tough. And yeah, just, uh, I wasn't very confident in a lot of what I was singing just cause well, I you hadn't, can't, you can't tell. I will, I will say, man, if, if there's anything that I think separates, um, overexposed, like pride and disaster, your new album, which comes out September 3rd on equal vision records. 13th. And, Oh, sorry. September 13th on Equal Vision yes. Records. God, I tried to plug it and I fucked it up. Uh, well, what separates, I think, you know, your new record from Overexposed, it, you you sound a lot more confident. Not with not just with your performance, but even with the lyrics and the melodies and the delivery. Like, everything comes off, you know, a lot more polished, you know, to me. Thank you. But what, you know, I'm a bit of a slacker. So I've made tons of songs and records like where I've like recorded shit the night before or I mean written shit the night before and recorded it the next day, um, you know, and lots of songs. And I sometimes feel like when you're at the last minute, you have a lot more pressure on you. Sometimes you write better stuff than when it's like, I don't know, I'm, maybe I'll change this line later because then you don't, don't end up changing it later. You know, and you end up stuck with like a line that you're maybe not 100% sure on, you know, that that was just like, oh, it's just kind of like a demo for now. And then you get used to it, you know, kind of like what you were saying about once you hear a melody over chords, you can't unhear it. You know, it's it's kind of like that. Yeah, and that was a lot of this record. And uh, one of the biggest differences for me with this record and Overexposed is Overexposed was written almost like for lyrics and melody was written like 50, 50 between me and TJ. Um, so I didn't have all control over that. So I didn't have like the emotional and like that, that visceral connection to what I was saying. Mm-hmm. Um, as to where with this record, um, I think I wrote 90% of all the lyrics and melody. So I had just much more, passion behind what I was singing and yeah. what I was saying um, just because I knew that it was something that I had felt and something that I understood and um, as to where with the other stuff it was like I knew what he was saying and I and I connected with it but like it's 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 hard to sing someone else's words you know it's it's, it's hard to put especially um, someone like me I, I I like to consider myself like an emotive singer it's it's, it's a lot more character than it is pitch to me um, right so I it's hard to kind of put that behind songs when you don't feel that. Um, so that, that was something that we really, really, really tried to push with this record is that it, they really wanted to focus on it being me and being my songs. Cause that's just where you get the best product. If you, if your singer believes yeah. what he's singing, he's going to sing better. Um, yeah, so. I, I agree with you, man. I a hundred percent agree with you. Um, one of the things that you had in your, um, your little press release that I got from the label that I'm going to read. It's a quote you said, but I'm going to read it back to you just for context for people listening that I thought was, I thought it was kind of interesting. You said, one of the big things we focused on when making this record was not only writing sad songs, Zach says, yes. going along with the theme of growth, we wanted to show that there's more to life than just being sad. As hard as life is, there are still good days and we really wanted that to that thought to be present in this record. It doesn't seem fair to us to only portray portray the hard times. So yes. I, I thought that was really interesting because 
I don't know. That's the thing my mother used to say to me when I would be writing these songs in high school, and they were all like dark, and like she's like, "But you know, you got a great, we got a great relationship, and like you know, you're happy, you're a happy kid. Why are you writing these like dark songs?" And I'm like, "Because it's cool, mom. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it, and it's true though that that you know a lot of times positive people still end up writing negative stuff um, just because of the genre of music." Um, so my, my, I guess my question is, was that a challenge? Yes, very much so. Um, especially being like, I'm a person, I struggle with anxiety, I struggle with depression. Those are things that are just very, very simple for me to portray and relate to. Because it's, I mean, it's what I've written about my entire life. Well, like under, just, under the moment is, is dealing with that yeah. topic, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, that's, yeah. A, that's 100% what that song is. But it's literally a cry for help. Like that song was like me realizing through the last year of constant touring and all that and never being home that like, I'm just, I was fucked and I had to, I really had to reach back out to help for help. Um, but I didn't want to make overexposed again. Overexposed is, it's, it's a very sad record. Um, it's, and it, it doesn't come off like that. I mean, we're, we, we're very good at, uh, the emo pop as we like to call it, you know, like it's very happy, upbeat sounding songs when you listen to and you're just like, fuck, (laughs) this is not as happy as I thought it was. Um, and when, when we went into this record, one of the things I like, I, I realized, especially in, in the pop punk genre, like it's quasi cool to be sad, you know, and um, it's, it's easy to kind of fall into that just because it's sadly it's, it's marketable, you know, like it's, <laughs> it's, 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 it's relatable and it's, it's something that everyone understands. So it's, it's easy to write about. And obviously again, being someone that deals with anxiety and depression, it's something that is very easy for me to just kind of dip into as a source of inspiration. But we, with this record, especially with the title of Pride and Disaster and how that relates to learning from your mistakes and learning from how your pride can lead to those negative things and lead to those downfalls, I also really wanted to address the fact that like, out of those learning from your mistakes there are good times. There's, there's happy mm-hmm. days. Like that's what like the, the song after tonight, like that song is just about like having fun and just doing something that makes you feel good instead of just wallowing in, in the, that, that darkness that's so easy to just kind of sit in. And songs like, um, like Babe Ruth is, is about just like a loving young friendship, you know, that, that burning passion to just be outside running around with scraped knees and dirty hands and just getting your hands on life, you know, like absolutely just wanted to, we really wanted to capture a lot of different just emotions. We did, we didn't want to just have that record where it's like everyone tweets like, Oh, send me your saddest record. And we didn't, we didn't want to be that. We wanted to be something. We wanted to celebrate life in every way. Totally. Is there a guest vocal on Babe Ruth? I thought I heard something a little different there. No. Okay. There's not, there's There's not a guest vocal on this record. There's one line that like jumped out at me, and I was like, "Is that Zach?" I don't know if you know the line I'm talking about. Oh, it's TJ. Oh, it's TJ. It's okay, the, okay. It's in the second verse. There yeah. you go. Yeah, yeah. It's TJ. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah it's TJ. I, okay. I didn't think about it. There you go. Got it. Got it. Well, yeah, it's and it's interesting. And I, I want to. I don't want to take up too much more of your time, man. But I, I do um, want to talk about the video you made for Under the Moment, which yes. kind of goes to what you were just saying. You know, obviously, there's first of all, you did a great job acting in the video. <laughs> much, I didn't do any acting. <laughs> that was just me. Well, it was it was, <laughs> it was good. I mean, it was much better. It came off a lot more natural and 
and real than some like horrible music video acting, which you know, hey, I'm guilty of. But um, but I, I did you know think in the video, you know, it was obviously there were the times when you know you're you're sitting there, you're laying down, you're obviously depressed, and that's what the song is about. But then there are a couple moments in the video where like you know you're kind of having fun. You know, you're kind of doing, like, some crazy stuff. And, like, I thought that that was really cool with your statement on your, you know, on your um, press release and what you just said, that you were able to incorporate those types of moments just to kind of show that, like, you know, depression doesn't mean you're depressed 100% of the time, right? You can still have moments where it's like, you know, you still laugh at something. You know, it's, it's it's an interesting thing that you put in there that I think is really real um, uh, that doesn't always ha- you know happen and get portrayed in music videos yeah like so one thing I really wanted to portray is like especially like halfway through the video like the girl's not the girl doesn't show up for dinner you know and my friend's not with me in the car anymore and like and then at the end they're back and that was kind of like the thing that I thought was really important is yeah. that sometimes people aren't going to be there and it, it's going to hurt and it's going to suck and it's going to make you feel fucking terrible. But in most situations, it comes full circle and people are going to be there when you need them to be. And those times need to be cherished. Like that's why like yeah. even in, even in the video, like all of those scenes where like I'm reunited with the girl and my, me and my best friend are moshing in a lobby, you know, just, Doing whatever, like yeah, that's was, that's that exactly the, the the part I was talking about. Yeah, um, like those things, the feel, the things that you're feeling, and all of the things that are going on inside of your head don't have to hold you back all the time. And there, there's gonna be good, there's gonna be fun times. I have good times all the time. Right? Yeah, but I there, there's there's always gonna be good that comes with the bad. Well, you're also wearing a shirt that says things could be worse. Which is yes. another, which is Very another, deliberate. which is, I, I know. And it's, and it's great. Was that also a Frank Turner shirt or did I make that up? No, I do have, I almost wore, I do have a Frank Turner shirt that says not dead yet. And I brought it with me. I have, a, I am wearing a Frank Turner shirt in that music video. No, that's what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> I see. I just saw at the top, it said, it said Frank. And I was like, ah, it looks like a Frank Turner shirt. Yeah. The black so, flag rip yeah. and the last, the last stripe is the acoustic guitar. There you go. No, I love Frank Turner. Uh, he's a, he's one of our favorites around here. Very good, uh, very good friend of the show. A favorite of ours. He's he's played in the sleep on it van frequently. Awesome. What a a guy. Well, dude, dude, thanks, man. Um, Thanks for explaining all this. Um, I know you guys are supporting Don Broco uh, this actually soon, right? It's just a few weeks away. Yeah, it's like five weeks. And right. And the record comes out September 13th. Pride and Disaster. What's that? Tour starts the 12th. It's the second day of tour. It comes perfect. Out. That works out perfectly. So, um, what else to tell the people? Um, just keep streaming the song, man. We're, we're, we're putting out a new single soon. Um, couple new, there's a couple songs coming before the record and then just buy tickets to that Don Broco tour. We're going to be having a blast. Um, the Don Broco guys are great. The trash boat guys are great. Selfish thing is great band. Yeah. Awesome. So yeah, it's, it's great just kind of, it's going to be a great time. We're very, very excited. And I'm just, I'm ready to put the record out. I'm ready for people to hear, I think, sleep on it in its truest form. It, it really is a great record. And um, thank you for making it. 
thank you for listening to it. I really appreciate that. <laughs> All right, Zach. Well, I'll let you get some rest. I'm sure you're ready to, uh, you know, unpack your bag and spend a little time with the lady friend and, uh, I don't know, hit up the Chicago diner or whatever people do in, uh, in Chicago. Oh yeah. I'm, I mean, there's, there's a nap coming to me first, but after, afterwards, I'm going to be uh, taking full advantage of the beautiful day I have here. It's, uh, I think it's like 75 degrees and sunny, which doesn't happen here very often. Awesome, so. man. Awesome. Or you're not going to go to Lollapalooza today? Oh, no. I can't <laughs> afford that. I just got off tour. <laughs> no, like imagine imagine that. No, no. Going to go straight to a, a 12-hour festival right now. 12-hour festival with 100,000 <laughs> people at it, yeah. <laughs> All right, Zach. Well, thanks for your time, man. And um, uh, yeah, yeah, take care. Thanks, Shane. Have a good one, man. There it is with Zach. Absolutely loved talking to this guy. And I'm going to tell you right now, this is a band you're going to want to know about. This is a band you're going to hear about. I think they're going to be following in the footsteps of fellow Chicago pop punkers Fallout boy. That's my thought. And they have the jams to prove it. The record comes out September 13th. Don't miss it. Here is the lead track, Under the Moment by Sleep On It on Lead Singer Syndrome. Peace and love. We'll see you next time.